Hello and welcome to Alchemical Health with me, Jen Gash. And me, Stuart Jeffrey. And we'll be discussing how we can create well-being in a way that enhances the living world. And we'll explore what might health and care look like in a regenerative and sustainable future. I actually nearly said regenerative, right? Uh, almost, yeah. almost. Lily. Get Lily. in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, the spectrum of healthcare, the broad nature of healthcare, well-being and social care, etc. We, we're going to explore it all. Yeah, we kind of want to know, you know, healthcare is a huge drain on the the environment, the planet, and yet it's a human right. And and, and, and so we've kind of got to marry those two bits um, and, and look at some of the stuff that goes on out, outside of A&E, because A&E is ev- all everyone talks about. Mm, Let's mm. talk about something different for a change. Absolutely. And how are you, my Stuart, my brother? I'm all right. I've just finished a big uh, research project. Um, just good. just come away from a uh, f- f- from a board meeting, which was rather good. And um, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm in good mood. You? How are you, Jen? Well, I've just f- finished a board meeting, but not a board meeting. A board, a book on boredom <laughs> meeting. Nice so, segue um... there from, from the craft. <laughs> See, that's like a craft, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I'm in a good mood as well. And yeah, we have a house full of people studying and doing mock exams and dissertations. So it's all go here. Fantastic. But I did I, I did make time for some deep sensory breathing. Stuart. I was going to ask. I'm very glad to, to hear it. And how did, how did it feel? Sensory cold. or not? Co- cold. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've had snow. So, um, you yeah, know, it's lovely. It's the, the, I think snow has a particular smell and sound and i don't know about you guys but when we um when i woke up in the morning the other day and our snow only lasted about three hours um the silence that you get with snow or the or the effect it has on the 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 noise and the environment i just love it it's wonderful Um, isn't it absolutely wonderful um jen do you want to say what we're going to cover today oh do i yeah well we're going to talk first of all stuart's got a factoid for us as always and then we're going to talk to Mike Collins, and he. I've already discussed with him that I might call him Mick or Mike interchangeably. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to talk to Mick Collins. I, I don't know about you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, um, and we'll see what happens. And I'll tell you a little bit about Mick Mike before we start talking to him. Excellent. Um, so factoid first. Um, so I've got a number of hats I, I play with and um one of them is I, I'm I'm a counsellor um down in my hometown of Kent and and a few months ago I, I proposed to the council that we enshrine the rights of nature in our constitution and they all laughed at me because that's what happens when you come up with something sensible. Um wonderful and and, and I think hey I might have been the first councillor ever to propose that in the country. Hey, how cool is that? Um, but I didn't I didn't succeed. However, Lewis Council a few weeks ago passed a motion recognising um, the um, well Sussex River's rights to protection. So obviously the ooze thro- flows through um, through uh, Lewis, um, and uh, you know, predominantly because of the the concerns around. Um, uh the, the 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 pollution of the waterways and so forth but but it they've given it some rights that's and, amazing and, you know, it's it's a step forward and and it's it's only this really this country where we've got this bonkers mind block on or on rights of nature you know the us does it canada does it bolivia does it new zealand does it australia wow. does it you know, it's just really, in terms of the Western world, it's just kind of us that, that really don't quite understand it. Mm. Um, hey, we'll get there. We'll get there. Anyway, so I was really pleased well, that's to be fascinating. there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, I, and I'm surprised it's so widespread outside of England. I kind of thought that it would, we would be, no, not, not, not just, I just kind of thought it would have been on our agenda before, but. I suspect so, I suspect well, those other countries have got indigenous populations which are driving this. Um, yeah, true, true. And actually, it's an interesting thought, isn't it, about where the energy for change comes from mm. in our communities. So I am going. I'm not going to introduce Mick very much because he's going to do he's that Mick himself. now, is it? He's Mick now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to just say that 
some of you know I'm an occupational therapist by background, amongst other things. And I always Am I allowed to shout funny stuff for here? No, you're not. Okay. Noted, <laughs> thanks. Basket maker. I have oh, made no, a basket ba- recently. No basket making, okay. Yeah, no. Um and um I get such a buzz when I see occupational therapists doing different stuff, publishing different work, um, expanding our zone of thinking really and but in some ways um what mick's going to tell us about is actually very much the core of human beings and as we'll see relationship with the world etc so and i bought um (laughs) mick's book although i've just realized it's your second book so i'm going to let you introduce your books in a mo but thank you for joining us because getting another ot on here i'm just feeling really (laughs) chuffed Great stuff. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Stuart. Yeah, great to be here. Really good. I'm going to, you know, sort of uh, enjoy the conversation, I'm sure. You know, we're already, I don't know who I am in this, but what the hell? Mick, Mike, Michael. It could be cool. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm already discombobulated in a good way, but that's good. Things might loosen up in me, you know, sort of. Um, yeah, so looking forward to getting stuck in, really. Fantastic. I, I, obviously, next time, Jen, we need a nurse because I, I, I've got to, I've got to even yeah. it up a bit, haven't I? Uh, I you do, know. you do. Um, so, tell us a little bit about your journey, yeah. Uh, Mick. Yeah. Okay. Um, that that could go on for ages. So I'll be very <laughs> nipped. I'll be very nipped. Um, yeah. I, I, well, I'll start from school. Uh, left school fifteen. No education. Uh, joined the infantry. Uh, I was a labourer before that. Travelled for six years. I was in the 70s uh, and 80s, sort of a bit of a hippie type thing. Um, ended up in a Buddhist monastery three uh, from 83 to 86. Studied Tantra and all that sort of stuff. Got, you know, by then I was really embedded in the spiritual, uh, had a spiritual crisis, which was a, an awakening rather than a, an illness. Um, and then uh, that spurred me on to become a therapist and I chose occupational therapy and then I did a secondary training or I didn't qualify I did nine and a half years as a transpersonal um using process-oriented psychology dream work and very Jungian very Taoist very shamanistic uh did that for nine and a half years worked in mainly mental health and acute admissions and psychological therapies ended up in academia it wasn't my intention that was a I won't go there but that was a weird <laughs> How I ended up there is it was extraordinary. Um, but I did. I didn't know if I'd like it, but I ended up publishing articles and did a PhD. I left and retired in 2015, eight years ago now, and uh, which is amazing, but I've not been idle. Uh, I do coaching work with people. Uh, I call myself a trans, um, transpersonal occupational therapist. So I still teach at the university students and what have you um and yeah just you know I, I go with what comes so you know I run workshops on dreaming and yoga and all sorts of, we did a dream work in yoga retreat recently with an ex-Buddhist nun who's a friend of mine Pema um so uh, you know I'm open <laughs> so oh yeah my goodness. so it's a there's quite a journey so much there Mick. oh there's my lord so much there, Mick. I, I, I was thinking it's, it's a fairly run-of-the-mill sort of <laughs> career path you've had isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you know so i imagine that you're one of those people when you look at the, their cv if you were to write all of it down it's gonna I, yeah it's gonna absolutely be a, crackers you know, artist, I, I, a few of my mates have said it's like three lifetimes in one you know yeah, think, yeah. uh very concentrated and what have you but great I'm, I'm also a dad and a granddad so you know i've got yeah. all that stuff going family and um, yeah, so a busy, busy life, but lots of time for my own dreaming and individuation, which I think is key to well-being. And I do quite a lot of work with um, planetary awareness and, you know, yeah, trying to really make the shift so that we can actually live in harmony with nature. That's mm. that's pretty much where I come from. Oh, that's fabulous. I mean, I'm, I'm conscious of um, our questions that um, Stuart mostly prepared, but I'm going to pro- possibly simplify my little first one just oh look he's yeah he's he's he's, he's not sure about this i'm twitching um, already yes <laughs> there's um there's twitching there's a question um mick about um occupational intelligence which i think is something Stuart obviously picked up through reading your work and you know that was obviously i'm familiar with the term occupational 
But could you, before I kind of go into the rest of this question, which is about occupational intelligence and how it relates to deep or soul purpose in life, can you tell or talk a bit about what your personal understanding of occupation and occupational intelligence is? Because I'm not sure that everyone will know what occupation is in that in the yeah, way we talk about it. The classic way of occupation being that, that sort of we can be purposefully engaged in the world through, you know, our work, leisure, productivity, and our own inner work and outer work. You know, it's such a broad scope. And occupational intelligence would be that if we have this ability to self-actualize, it means we're going to be doing something in the world, and it means doing with depth. So that's where occupational intelligence and I'll I'll share some thoughts about how I came to that term and coined it in a minute. But um, occupational intelligence is a bit like a, a pilot light that guides our sort of uh, sensibilities for awakening. Mm. And so, you know, it's how we work with the deeper parts of ourselves that know what is trying to come forth, I guess, in a way that's a fairly succinct way to put it. Absolutely. Wow. That is really lovely. I mean, I've just written, I'm, I'm, I scribble away, <laughs> doing with depth. I think that's lovely. And actually, because it's at the forefront of my mind at the moment with the text on boredom, I've been writing that kind of conscious doing yeah. both, you know, very, you know, day-to-day -day things that we need to do consciously, but also, yeah, the, the doing with depth. That's lovely. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I think thank you. There's a, there's a, for me, when I, when I read your thoughts on that, um, I was kind of connecting it with some of Bill Plotkin's work around soul purpose. Um, yeah. And I also connected it with the Jungian intelligences yeah. um, because you, you've used the word occupational intelligence. And I thought, well, that's a different type of intelligence. And then it kind of occurred to me, you know, that that might be, aligned and i think you were trying to um i think you just said something around the the, the, the sole purpose there yeah. um yeah. so I, I just wondered how that all kind so in my head i think in shapes <laughs> and, and and i've got this sort of north east south west um earth air fire water um yeah. cognitive somatic um emotional and intuitive matrix that that's all aligned but i've got up and down as well which in and down i mean plotkin's plotkin's work i think sort of you yeah. know is that deep soul purpose and yeah. uh, so i just wondered if you could say a little bit more about some of that connection um yeah. uh, around intelligences itself Lovely. no i'd love to well firstly as you were speaking what came to my mind was a lava lamp from the 70s the bubbles that sort of go left, right, forward, up, down, they merge, they reshape and they blobble. That, uh, that's a little bit what I think we're dealing with, um, at a psychic level on a psyche. Mm. But I, th I, I've also, there, there are some really useful theoretical elements here. I mean, Abraham Maslow, who was the, one of the founders of humanistic and transpersonal psychology. I mean, having one of those under your belt would be a something <laughs> having two. Um, but he said, uh, about self-actualization and the engagement of human potential, it can only happen with intelligence. Now, when I read that, and I read quite a lot of Maslow, so I thought, oh, wow, that is really touching me. I also then followed up and wrote some papers on um, uh, spiritual intelligence as part of the evolution of occupational intelligence. I can't remember if they came simultaneously. I think they did. But one thing, Howard Gardner uh, at Harvard University wrote about multiple intelligences. So linguistic, mathematical, all that kind of different ways that we can, you know, it's beyond IQ. I, intelligence is beyond uh, a reductionistic way of measuring intelligence. And he looked at multiple intelligences. And I would add in that emotional intelligence, spiritual intelligence, all the different ways that we can multiply sort of engage uh, our faculties. Uh, Deepak Chopra spoke about um, multi-sensory intelligences. And when you think of a, uh, a chef that uses their sense of smell, a visual artist that can capture stuff that someone can't, who's not that way engaged in, in such beautiful depth and color. And so, but one of my great influences, um, and I'll connect this to Jung in a minute, so it's, which is what you said, but this is my way into that. Uh, I studied with um, Arnold Mindell and colleagues, 
And they look at multi-channeled engagement and that, and this is the bit that really excited me. In fact, the idea for occupational intelligence came to me on a seminar on process oriented psychology and it was nothing to do with intelligence. It popped yeah. up like the lava lamp yeah. <laughs> and I went really crazy writing all this stuff out. And it wasn't long after that I left the training. Something really woke up in me, but, um, for Mindell, the the nighttime dreams, the body symptoms, our relationship conflicts, our altered states of consciousness, our seeking awareness. In fact, what looks chaotic is sometimes trying to take us into something new. So a bit like the phoenix rising from the ashes, which is the symbol of the UK occupational therapy profession. It's got this real beautiful potential within that, even though it looks horrible when you're in it. And it's a much deeper process. So, you know, you're going to get to the, the work of Bill Plotkin, Jung and people like that. Um, Jung came out with a statement when about the unconscious. And this has really excited me. He said, what do we do with the unconscious? And the, the action there is, what do we do with it? Mm. How do we, how are we being with it? What do we do with it? So it implies action. And Absolutely. Yeah, he talked about active imagination. So you work with the unconscious consciously and that dialectical process forms something new. Something new comes out of that. So you dream the dream on. So your active participation in that is, is what's happening. And so you really give credit to the fact that the unconscious is occupied and wise. It's giving us stuff, even though we might have psoriasis or some weird symptom that's happening to us there's often a psycho-spiritual link to that and Mendel's work shows that beautifully um so the unconscious is working through us so my sense of occupational engagement then is doing with depth is the way of honoring all of our wholeness and in some ways uh it, it brings us into not only Jung's active imagination but we then go into imaginative action we can imagine actions that will come off our inner work and so i wrote about that in i think the last couple of books um yeah so so in a way i think um intelligence beyond iq is profound and so in ready to be engaged within us no absolutely i mean to me intelligence is 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 knowing and sensing and intuiting and i know that there you know there's um yeah. all sorts oh. of, of of things with that of course as well but Ooh. i suppose when you were also talking about um yeah, yeah that, you, like, you, you do realize you've just given three of you know, knowing um intuiting and sensing you're only oh. very <laughs> emotional when you've got you've got those four in there haven't you oh there we are then that was a nice little <laughs> accidental nice, <laughs> nice. but you know it's um I think that uh, the reason I say that is people do have a bit of an issue with the word intelligence it is mm. such a emotive word and um and I I'm always conscious of trying to get unhook people from that when they're thinking about this especially if we're talk, trying to relate this to well-being because it's almost like <clears throat> okay well if you've got this emotional physical somatic intelligence this occupational intelligence then if you haven't then you struggle you get ill or whatever it is and of course it just i just try and unpick uh, unhook from that a little bit but it's um you've just you know given me already this this new thing to think about this the fact that the unconscious is occupied yeah yeah that's I'm the, just that's like the a bit blown right away by that really because it's all the, coming on isn't it it is so so when you have a dream when you have a dream that's at your growing edge you could say the inherent the innate intelligence is just waking you up you don't need to be intelligent but you just got to listen and yeah. and there's a form of knowing or uh, and as a precursor of that sometimes not knowing yeah, <laughs> you know, honoring that and say i don't know but i'm willing the intelligence is to to engage with this thing that's already occupied in you mm. i mean that's the beauty of it because it doesn't imply intelligence like we get in the universities and iq tests mm. which i think is oppressive no absolutely yeah mm. absolutely I'm just, Stu, can I do a slight detour? Of course you can. Can I just <laughs> ask a, a, a follow-on question? Yeah, though? yeah, yeah, ask a follow-on question. You, you, you mentioned um, well-being, Jen, and, and 
and Mick, you've talked about self-actualization and, and so forth. Um, and, and, and I absolutely get that at a personal level and at an individual level. Um, <clears throat> but what I'm also really interested in just getting some thoughts from you is, is how does that work at a collective level? Um, where's the, um, the, the, the social, the community aspects of that? And, and how does that, um, that deep purpose, um, for want of a better word, um, that occupational intelligence coming up the lava lamp, how, yeah. how might that be harnessed to, to, to improve the well-being of society? Yeah, I think that really is the question of the hour, isn't it, really? This is where we're at in terms of us as, as a species. Mm. Um, my sense of that is that, yes, we've got to look at the institutions in with, within which we've been schooled. So our institutions are often, they take us to a certain way of knowing. Um, yeah, it's great. It's like they teach us to read and write at school. We're at health, we get our things looked after, but, you know, we don't go deep enough in my estimation. And those institutions are becoming increasingly fear-based. If you've got all of your institutions based on fear, mm. then everything that goes on in that society is going to be gravitating to fear yep. and fear mode. So for instance, um, there's certain things, oh, I can't speak about that because I'm a professional. I might get in trouble with this body, or I better not write about that because that professor who's into reductionism is not going to like what I'm saying. Oh, I better say that. So actually, how can you have well-being collectively when all your institutions are actually pushing you into fear? Yeah. yeah. That's no, my I, first initial thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 when I applied to do a PhD, one of the comments I got back on my um, application was, we don't really like critical theory. Um, oh. It's a little bit Marxist, <laughs> so I didn't carry on. No, but uh, this is the problem. Is like so. In fact, I think you've just answered your own question. So, if we then welcome other people's uh, ideas and thoughts and perceptions and ways of doing, being, knowing, and becoming and belonging and what emerging, whatever, if we honour that, actually, then we'll have a really interesting. We will make each other feel well. I suppose yeah, it's a movement towards it's a movement towards wholeness in that respect, yeah, and I, you know, not absolutely. in a, the usual use of the word holistic. But yeah, if we are able to honour all those different perspectives and different, you know, people's different feelings, different views yeah. on things, absolutely, religions, philosophies, blah blah blah. If you yeah. ha if you can hold that, not heavily, but then you are the wholeness, and I think that's a very health making thing. Totally, totally. And, and I think actually, I'm going to be a little bit, I'm going to go in with the, um, I'm going to go in with the hatchet now. Go on then. Those fear based institutions are what have promoted the collective dissociation that we're in that's causing wars, hatred, planetary, uh, you know, all the things that are going on that we don't care about in the planet. I think that's a collective dissociation. And in fact, wholeness honestly i think has to be in the mix if we're looking at well-being yeah. it has to be so you know um yeah i think that's uh i think um herbert marcuse talked about one-dimensional humans and he wrote a book called one-dimensional man i obviously man is in humanity yeah. <laughs> and you know actually talks about the twisted ways that that we've cultivated our collective lives together so i think we've got to break out of that and i think we're right in the time for that to happen mm, mm. exciting yeah, absolutely <laughs> scary but exciting <laughs> we're all very yeah. excited well you know fear and excitement have the same route don't they absolutely, yeah. I mean, absolutely. just which way you're going to go with it you know <laughs> oh don't tell me oh, if i say that or you go way i don't care let's say it i mean it's it's been a you know the fear in institutions was what pr uh, prompted me to to work um you know for my you know original coaching practice with occupational therapists because i just saw so many of them struggling and oh, burnt yeah. out um bullied um you know their creativity being squished down and um it's a really hard time for people in those services who have 
a creative, expansive way of thinking. And those yeah. the people that can step out of that fear and go, actually, what we need to do is this. Yes. <laughs> and and yeah. um, you know, it's 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 it is where we are completely. Um, but it's quite tricky, isn't it, for people when they, it is. It know. is. I mean, I'm talking from having been in the system and 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 practice what I preached, although I did very low level and carefully because I did <laughs> yeah. need to keep my job to pay for you know my <clears throat> house and all but I didn't it didn't stop me doing it I mean no no and know. I think that's the trick is it it's like it's kind of the whole feel the fear and do it anyway just to you know have a cliche but you know I think well, that's the thing I'll tell you what I did um I went off and studied dream work because I, I enter I wove dream work into my OT practice in the mainstream right I went off and studied it and I wrote papers on it and then I wrote more papers and then I started to, well, look, you know, it seems to be okay, you know, there's, and, and I had a great manager that who I spoke honestly with and reasonably and I said, look, I'm not going to do anything reckless and yes. she supported it. And I think, I think that's why it's so important to have those um, supportive yeah mentors bosses around because you know i i I work with possibly the best person in ot that i have quite recently and it it was such a change but can i step back a bit yeah because i'm just thinking and this is to me really important because i don't hear the word spiritual crisis used very much um but I think um, when we were talking about stuff in the unconscious, <clears throat> opening up to, you know, our unconscious occupation going on in the background or whatever is, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, I'm happy to share that I had a spiritual crisis. Yeah. Um, 15, well, had a few, but 15 years ago, you know, and the main reason I didn't end up in, um, significant healthcare institutions in that yeah. at that point was because I had a mum and a brother who understood what I was going through yeah. and yeah. framed it in a different way. Stuart's shaking his head. <laughs> Everyone. Um, but I, I it would be really, and I think it's crucial if we're talking about unconscious stuff that we need to really talk about spiritual yeah. crisis or awakenings, I yeah. think is um, the way I like to think about it now. Some yeah. people can, call it a mental breakdown some people would call it psychosis um and you know i having the background i had i was able to go oh that was a nice bit of psychosis i had then oh that was really interesting i was i was able to go into the observer mode and it was a fascinating yeah humbling enriching experience yeah it's scary at times but would you talk a bit about that but, 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 but before you do mick i that that Observer mode in a psychotic bit is really interesting because I'd never heard you say that before. Oh, okay. That was fascinating. Because <laughs> I, I might have experienced that myself. Um, <laughs> um, but but just on on that question of spiritual crisis and, yeah. and it probably plays to the poly crisis that we are in. Um, do you want to? Uh, and, and I think it kind it does it link in with the need for meaning and and the, and the loss of meaning as well because I think you were the occupational bit is kind of uh, has got that meaning element so i just wanted to add that as well, a sub question that's 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 a I, I think that's a very fair point in, in fact uh, when you look at the transpersonal if you only locate everything as personal i this is going on in me yes it is but actually think about this we've lived in a world that's become the problem in the world has been that we've been fragmented shallow and living in an institutions of fear all right what will happen if you don't pass your exams <gasps> you know what will happen if <gasps> all that and it's you imagine that's going in and we're living in a world where there's disconnect after disconnect and so here's the interesting thing i wrote a paper on this with um a couple of Jungian analysts and um that was all oh, crumbs i can't remember when that was but anyway we looked at the global crisis as an enantiodromia which means when a state reaches a one-sidedness that's not very um, productive any longer, I, it's just so balanced on the ego, for instance, egocentric ways of living, that sometimes they get flipped. So you can find them when the world is going more and more one-sided, shallow and fragmented, people will start popping out mm. and having different experiences. Now, you could see that as 
illness if you were in that way of categorizing people. Or you could say this is a productive experience that it's the wise element of the psyche that's now trying to rectify this chaos. That's another way of looking at it. So personally, um, when I had mine, which was in 86, none of this, much of this was if Stanislav and Christina Groff hadn't even written their book yet. You know, that came out in 89 um, on spiritual emergency. So I was just winging it through. But I did meet um, a, a guy that was worked with Krishnamurti. He was a psychologist. He had read Jung. He, and he said, you are going through a transformational crisis. I thought I was going completely do lally. Mm. Part of me was. But he said, that's for a reason. And I thought, wow. He said, if you can hang on in there, I wouldn't tell too many people about it. <laughs> and he was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's another way of looking at it. And but for me, just seeing everything only as personal, we have to sit this in a wider context of the transpersonal as well and the global, because all of these multiple crises will be impacting us. Absolutely. And, you know, yes, there might be personal trauma. There might be personal reasons why something happens in our psyche, but it's in the context of a wider fragmented milieu and the world is going a bit intense. So the way I look at it is, if we had a different collective response to that, we might be able to facilitate different experiences for people in their journeys of wholeness and recovery or whatever you want to call it. I, I like to call it restoration. That's lovely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, I think, yeah. I th- and I think we need to also view restoration or whatever we want to call it as a as an ongoing process. It's not something that mm. just you do and then that's done, tick. No. It's a... Uh, <laughs> It's an ongoing process. Well, look at it this way. I mean, Maslow, what's going on in the world? Maslow et al. started transpersonal psychology in 1969. And it's been completely left out of the worldview in our institutions. It's just starting to come in a little bit here and there. And it's nicely modulated. I don't think it's as neat as that. But it's nice that it's making a beginning in. And... um, But I think actually what we need is coaches, elders, and mentors. We don't need any more management of this. (laughs) Because if you look at organizations, have you heard of teal organizations? Yeah, Yeah. Stuart Stuart knows that. that. Yeah. So when you look at a teal organization, they just have a totally different way of going about their business. And it trusts the, the individuals who are there working together to come up with the way forward, could, it, yeah, to, for our listeners, Mike, Mick, could, yeah. could you just explain what Teal or, or Stuart, what Teal stands for? Yeah, go ahead, Teal. Uh, yes, <laughs> go ahead, Teal. Let <laughs> yeah. Mick, you do it. I mean, I've heard right. of them. So, uh, a, a Teal organization is so the, the, the color spectrum, the Teal is at the top of the color spectrum. Red is a very autocratic. So, so imagine uh, life in the army <laughs> would yeah. be a red organization. Then you go uh, up. Okay. Green, green is still a little bit more, um, you know, liberal, but still a little bit more, you know, still got leaders and, and all the ways things go down. But teal means you have got an organization that, yes, there is a management, but it's not, it doesn't impose itself. Mm. So you trust the people to work at the growing edge or the leading edge of that organization to, and to be autonomous. And the way that they, they don't manage it. They get coaches to go in and work with the people. So that the, the organization I'm referring to there is a healthcare organization in the Netherlands. And they've got about 40,000 people using this method. It's not just six people in an office. It can be done at scale. Yes. So yeah. I'm really excited about that. You know, I think there's, Absolutely. if you add the transpersonal in and a, and a lot more about human growth, not just about work and productivity, but a lot more, you could have a really interesting thing. And that's happening. Is that Netherlands one? Um, the uh, Bjorzog? Yeah, I think it is. It begins with B. I can't remember yeah. the, yeah. I went out to see them, um, to visit them and the, and the chap who set it up a few years ago. And, um, yeah, I mean, it is just so wonderfully, yes. um, 
grassroots led in terms of its the, the the way they work together and 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 form as a team it was fundamentally different to to to, to the stuff jim we need to get i'm trying to think of his name i've still I'm sure i've got his email somewhere we'll have to get him on the on the show won't we <laughs> well look i mean what we're looking at here is the sort of reconfiguration of top-down hierarchies to a more holocratic way of working, you know, much more bringing in the wholeness. But there's something about that hierarchy that I just want to mention. I don't think necessarily hierarchies are bad. You're always going to get, even in those organizations, you get a CEO, you get someone who's, you know, they've, they normally get rid of, um, uh, all the middle management that is just no longer needed. But the word hierarchy means sacred leader. So I, I think it might be, even if we change the way a hierarchy works, I let's say an organization that's top down, change your leadership style, facilitate more growth and more openness and more connectivity. Mm. That would already be a change. Don't, if you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, um, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because like the NHS is massive. Think differently about your, your hierarchy and do it differently. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah quite yeah. exciting stuff, really. <laughs> yeah. I must say that the, 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 that certainly the when i was um nhs directors doing that sort of stuff you know the the mantra was you know don't don't do to people coach them you develop their skills they've got the ideas you can't do it all um and and, and that really stood me in great stead um yeah. so trying to try, trying to bring people up and, and and empower them is is absolutely there totally but what, what about if we added in methods like what I would call technologies of transformation. What if we added in vision quests, mm. systems, assemblies, and let's say, um, so, you know, the way of the circle or mindfulness or dream work, you know, what's wrong with that? In fact, it, what's right with it is everything because each of those human beings will be responsive because they're already working in a collective. So let's use some these methods that have been around for ages and apply them to our growing um, evolution in uh, not only of the organisation but as us as human beings shared together uh, with well-being and productivity all mixed in. I think it could be really exciting. Yeah. Absolutely, and I think that's sort of one to me one of the keys, you know, in the way forward is holding. Yeah, the productivity and the well-being hand yeah. in hand. Yeah. But a productivity which restores and heals um, and looks yeah. after the earth. And I, I kind of, it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because we've also got this, um, I kind of end up with a uh, utopian view of what we could do, which is so far away from our um, reality. I suppose this brings me into it. You've got... Um, a nice question about change there Stu do, do you want to you know yeah yeah let's let's move on to question two um <laughs> <laughs> listeners there's another 17 questions uh we'll you, it's going to be about five hours this one I reckon um so question two um so in 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 the unselfish spirit you you describe six dimensions for collective change um and each of those dimensions is preceded by the word deep and yeah. and you've talked about deep this afternoon you've talked about shallow this afternoon um but most of the world is interested and in, 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 or not interested most of the world is sort of hooked on the shallow um you know i, I find myself doom scrolling from time to time on facebook and twitter you know it's very very simple to do it's very addictive um yeah. Given that we're we seem to be wired for shallow, how can we do the deep? Mm. Yeah. So um, if we look at well, I've ch I've chosen six areas that that it could be a it could be you know other people might focus on different things. I just wanted a little mishmash of different things that touch me. So I, I look at learning, deep learning, and we know that learning can be transformative. And invariably, once you start engaging in knowledge and getting an understanding of it, it, it empowers you and you do get transformed. But what about your self-knowing, your know thyself, going deep with that? So, you know, having facilitators, lecturers, teachers, mentors, whatever you want to call them, saying, you know, yeah, let's work with that dream that you had, that troubling dream that you had. Let's trust that and, and love that, that engagement. And so then 
I talk about deep citizenship. Now, I think those two go together nicely because the more we encourage at school and at colleges and in places of work, I'd love it if my supervision when I was working was saying, drop into some dreaming. My current supervisors do. And since I've, um, mind you, when I was in the NHS, I used to have the similar supervisors and mentors. So I always did that work. I would, I'd always be working on my dreams. But let, imagine what kind of citizens would emerge if we were really encouraged to, you know, even check in with our conflicts, our difficulties, and find out what's magical about that. Um, Arnie Mindell's got some beautiful examples of that in his work, sitting in the fire, um, using transformation in large group conflicts is, is something like that, the strap line. Brilliant book, some beautiful examples in it. But so citizenship would naturally become deep because we would be deep. <laughs> We'd be, we wouldn't just accept that sort of, oh, you know, the supervisor that's so terrified of anything coming up, which they don't know about. Well, what mm -hmm. that becomes their learning then. Get them involved, you know, challenge them. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, yeah, well, maybe you should try some of this, you know, and, and, and have really interesting conversations. Mm -hmm. And then that ties into democracy, deep democracy. It's not only political. Deep democracy is social, it's spiritual, it's, it's, it's everywhere. There's the democracy of, um, uh, of difference and diversity. So all views are welcome. Um, the conflicts that emerge between differing points of view could be a point of connection if facilitated well and understood and appreciated. So deep democracy, that's Arnold Mindell's term. Uh, that one, and how that might then engender a deep culture that we then appreciate other cultural references, other ways of being and doing and engaging together and learning together. So these things, I think, connect quite nicely. And then uh, deep ecology, so that we have this embedded sense of our interconnectivity with all life and that we are wholly the all within the all, <laughs> everything is there. We are all part of that. So why would you mess up over your neighbours or your the other country and do something or rip down all those trees because you're ripping your own soul to bits? So there's something about that, you know. You you never get away with it. We're, what we destroy on the outside, we're destroying on the inside. So deep ecology, Arnie Ness is a beautiful um exponent of that and came up with the term and then of course i say deep occupations and that would tie in with everything that we've been talking about mm. that, that we're responsive to the depth that's alive within us and trying to show us what's coming up and also that we can work with that productively in the world as individuating self-actualizing human beings mm. you know what do we do with the unconscious Jung said i think that's the question of the century mm. Absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. When, I said, when I saw it, my teeth fell out. I thought, uh, you know, my falsies. They, <laughs> I just like, wow, you know, what a statement. That is. What, what do we do with the unconscious? Mm. I think it's, I, I mean, I've probably paraphrased it a bit. That, that's not probably not an exact way he said it, but that's, yeah, that's what he was referring to. And, and you know, I absolutely love what, what you've just said, but I, I, <sighs> I kind of worry about when I go out of my house and 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 see what's going on. Yeah. How how can we nudge people in that direction? Because the, the the preoccupation with anything other everything that you haven't said seems to um seems to preclude all of the great stuff that you're suggesting. And, yeah, and yeah. I love the stuff you're suggesting. Yeah, yeah, no, quite. Well, I, 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 can I offer something on that? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, really? I just, I mean, I think one way I see through is is being okay with my own vulnerability myself and showing it to others because mm. I don't, um, you know, throughout my, since I've been running my own, doing my own work and writing, etc., I frequently, when it's appropriate, share stuff shows that I'm vulnerable, that I'm I'm uncertain about all sorts of things, that I think about stuff that I'm, you know, and 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 it does it's a just, you know, basic form of modeling really, but just sort of being willing and okay with 
show my vulnerability, which I don't think we I think we've gone backwards in that so much in recent years. We've kind of so much in this front of I'm okay, I know all the answers, etc. Um, because the own, you know, if we think about, you know, deep or shallow, you kind of got to break the crust of vulnerability to 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 get down into the dirt and the gloop. That's the way I always think about it. But you know, to transform it, because unless you break that crust and let a bit of light shine down on in there, and, and, and there we things. have. And there we have, listeners, the title of this week's episode, which is Transforming Gloop. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, when I, you know I, I do think of it like that because when I think of Jung, one of my favourite Jung, Jung things is the cryptomanesia, the sort of um, the conscious, what's in the, you know, the, the unconscious, all of the stuff that's flying around in, and, and actually that's the the building blocks of creative action, you know, it's all there. So, you know, you kind of, that's, that's the way I think about it anyway. But I do think that being, showing our vulnerability on an individual level and, and encouraging our kids to, and talking at the pub and encouraging your mates to be vulnerable. And I mean, I, it's not that I out people regularly, you know, but I do start conversations with people about, you know, depression or, the world or politics or their health when they're not really it's like they're not expecting it i mean i'm not a dismal daisy going and kind of making everything terribly upsetting or whatever but it, it is a way of saying come on you know there's seven people sitting around this table that are all on antidepressants yeah. you know can we just can we just be a bit honest and acknowledge that because i don't yeah. understand why we're not it's really teaches us so much it's so important anyway i'll shut up oh, i love that i love what you're saying because i i totally resonate with that and i agree with you i think it is about vulnerability and um if i think about what i've done and what it took to share the story of i won't go into it necessarily because you know i, I the spiritual crisis i went through was pretty lean and it was really uh, you know i was right at the edge uh, it took me a long time to be able to tell the story, uh, first writing about it, then doing a little podcast here and hoping nobody watches it. <laughs> and then going out and talking to 150 psychotherapists, among whom in the audience was a Broadmoor psychoanalyst, talking about my, you know, the wild thing that happened to me in the spiritual crisis and what I learned from it. And then that 150 people will go away and work with people. But four of those therapists came up to me afterwards and said, do you know, I'm going through something very similar right now. And and you act then as a, um, I don't know what the word is. You don't, I think. Amplifier? Yeah, or a catalyst, an amplifier, a safe harbour. Something happens. Mm. And even if it's not done in local time, non-locally, the more we do the work, and I think this answers your question, Stuart. And Well, should I say it might not answer it, but it's what I think is true. The more, because we live in an interconnected world, which you now call it the quantum realm or the quantum field, the non-local universe, call it what you want. The fact that when we start to do that inner work, it ripples out. I get people saying, I dreamt of you the other night and you were standing at a, an edge of a cliff. This has happened a couple of times and you jumped off. And I thought, oh, it can't be that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere I must have been representing in someone's mind something that I'm modeling working on an edge. Yep. And yep. it ain't going to be all bad, you know. So we can have this ripple effect. And I don't think it's only about doing in the obvious way, but it could even be by doing our work. We are actually beginning to create the change. I came to this work really, you know, I mean, 45 years ago, there was, I can tell you, you could go in a bookshop and there would have been in the spiritual section, there would have been the Quran, a Bible, and possibly a book on Buddhism if you were lucky. Look at look at it now. Oh, yeah. It's just like, wow, things are changing. And I, I trust it. Although when I go to um, a, a supermarket on a Friday night, I do doubt that whether we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just think, no, everyone's as hungry as I am. They just want to go home and have a rest. But anyway, no, but, um, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm making a joke of it, but no, I do believe that that it is local and non-local. That's where the work will happen. 
Mm. Yeah, there is something there is, there is something energetic about it um, that kind of, as you say, ripples out and uh, and 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 just that kind of um, uh, that that idea that you can go to the pub and, uh, and and we'll come I'll come back to it in terms of the forge. I think I think I've got our forge um, task for for this week, um, but but that idea that you can ha- start to have conversations that are no longer superficial but actually start to encourage people to have explore some some slightly deeper topics I think is really really valuable oh absolutely and and also when you know when you step out of the front door Stu and you look around the world or wherever it is and and I I know it's the same it's actually kind of if you if you sort of just focus on one person and you know that that person has interesting conversations in them that they have a variety of values they're not just bland people we just you know if you kind of sort of shift your perception i think that's what i'm trying to say to kind of actually if i go and have conversations with people and and you must have seen this when you go uh, canvassing you know some you know you know if you can find it into a conversation it all kind of opens up, doesn't it? Suddenly, you're not the baddie. They're not somebody who is blandly wandering along in the world, not thinking about this stuff. You know, there are ins, and people do think about it. Yeah, you know, they yeah. really do. Certainly, you know, tell me what matters to you. What, exactly. What, what's going on in your life? What are you worried about? Um, uh, it really does open up a, a, an interesting conversation. And, and, and you know, they, they, they might come back with something um, horrible and right-wing, but then... Uh, because uh, because I'm a you know a confirmed lefty, um, but, uh, but it allows for, a, for for an opening for a conversation where Absolutely. we can both challenge each other's views, and, and and I might not convince them this time or next time, but um, they might not convince me. But at least we're having that yeah. discussion that 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 will have a chance of opening up some wider consideration because i can sit in my little bubble and and, and think yeah um that the, they're they're wrong but unless i start to um explore what the, beneath that that sort of tweet that they've put out in terms of a message mm. um mm. you know it, it it becomes um it, it becomes you know it's just a crust to use your term earlier um that we need to break and then just start to unpack a bit no, yeah, I, I think the, the I mean, you, you said it, Jen, as well about the projection. I think that's interesting because the shadow, i.e. all the stuff that we've not investigated within ourselves is always going to get projected out. And so this implies that that every day we've got to do shadow work. And it doesn't mean that every five minutes, but I mean, if you're walking down the street and then you find a prejudice coming up, it, it really helps the collective if you work on that. But what are we going to, this is my question. We know that we're in a fragmentation and all of us have got that. But in fact, for those of us that are trying to step towards wholeness, it's about having a sense that we are in a whole and we're already whole. And, yep. and therefore, if my fragmentation is fragmenting you by virtue of my perceptions of you, my projections mm-hmm. on you, then actually it's incumbent upon me to reclaim that and say, I'm sorry, actually, I'll just have a little look at that in me. That's already done something massive for the world. Yep, absolutely. And that's Jung, obviously, that's Jung's work. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, we, we play that a little bit within our house, you know. I mean, I think um, what something I'm very proud of with my girls is that, you know, they're 18 and 22 now, is that I kind of see them kind of getting all a bit prickly about something or about, you know, and I say, okay, what what's you know we explore what's going on is i said well i'm feeling a bit like this today do you think that might be having to do with it or you know you seem to have i don't know sucked up something from the tv or you know to really kind of go where's this all kind of this fuzzy energy this um loopy stuff come from and you know i you know i know that as a parent i'm quite different sometimes to, to some of my peers but you know my kids will go out into the world and talk to their friends differently and their friends differently and and um you know that's okay but i do think um i mean this is actually links very clearly to your last question Stuart, which i think we've probably just covered because it was about the you know the dangers in um sort of personal change or, or influencing others etc you know if you're talking openly and honestly and from a position of of wholeness you know acknowledging our frailties our 
insecurities, etc. What, what, you know, that's a, an okay place to do it from. Surely, that's. Um, I think it has to happen there. Yeah. That's where we're at, isn't it? I mean, you know, Jung's idea of the ego self of the capital S access the ego self. The the problem in our fear-based culture is that egocentricity is what we consider to be the norm of consciousness. So actually, I know, uh, Stuart, you, you were saying in one of your questions, well, how will we transform consciousness, which was implied in the question that you just asked. Well, what is it that needs transforming? And and I think it's a, a movement away from less egocentricity to more self with a transpersonal focus that we then take care of the bigger picture, but we also have to take care of our own inner journey of healing and well-being as part of that. We can't just sublimate that and just say, oh, just take care of the world. That's like bypassing. We've got to be a bit of inner and outer. Um, so that ego self-axis is a beautiful way of really going with the depth, listening to the wisdom of the unconscious, and then thinking about, oh, I'm just about to do something which is going to be a cert feed a certain appetite but will that really nourish me that's the thing that i think we need to be asking will following that egocentric line that i love will that really nourish me and asking reflective questions like that then i think we've got a chance of really but we need to be doing this with each other and helping each other i i feel mentoring eldership coaching whatever you call it but that we all have that and we all need it i, I had a supervision session uh, my supervisor is a Jungian analyst. He used to, was a consultant psychiatrist. And uh, we had an hour supervision um, because it just fell on this day. I was already had him booked in before we set this up. And I thought, oh, well, that's quite nice, actually. I get a little bit of time for me before doing this. Mm, nice. Super. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, that's really, really, really impressive. Well, I think it's it has to be, doesn't it? It has to be like we've got to be willing to do – if we're talking about this stuff, you can't talk about it without doing it. It just feels like that's a lie, you know, and, and we have to work on our edges and our shadows and, mm. um, yeah. And, and, and also where, you know, embracing what, yeah, what flows for us as human beings and also mm. what gives us joy and energy because I kind of, interestingly, Stu and I had this mad idea about doing a podcast um, probably before Christmas. Oh, <laughs> and, and actually – it's it's given a whole new boost of energy i think to both our relationships Stuart, to what we can give to the world L loads of joy loads of flow as well as discussing difficult topics and questions with people so yeah we haven't know, spoken for years had we <laughs> <laughs> well we live a long way away from each other really now don't we and um i think as we've got older our relationships change so much but um i kind of see this the discussions and the way Stu and I have been doing this and the people we bring in to this kind of alchemical pot I like mm -hmm. to think of it that's right. very much um yeah. you know uh, in, in fact when I sort of talk about my coaching you might have seen in my book I don't know I don't expect you to have read every page of it but I you know very yeah. much this this alchemical pot of stuff that goes in and yeah. then is transformed into whatever um and anyway, with that, I think we probably need to think about. We do need to this. start to um, come to a close, don't we? Because we, <laughs> yeah, we, you mind we, if we I just forever? If I just pick up on one little bit and uh, respond to yeah. it, beautifully called something. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, Thaumaturgy. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A, yeah. A, a yeah you mentioned that word and said, "Should we be going there?" And um, you know, basically opening each other up to this more. Um, miracle mindedness if you wish and i looked up a, i looked it up because it's not a word that i use very often so that was nice to get a new word and it also means wonder worker and that's another term for it and i thought oh i like that and just a little bit just to wrap up from this perspective because you asked the question so i thought i must <laughs> yeah. have some thought. but just to say um about are we capable of doing this well we have no choice because mm. Jung, I believe, quite rightly said, if you, you whatever you think you're going to do, the 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 the, uh, the signs will be present, and if you don't follow them, that you'll just get dragged along by the scruff of the neck anyway. You know, so so he's like saying, wake up, really. And I, I thought, what does a wonder worker do? And I thought 
this is really lovely. So if we really picked up this, um, was it thaumaturgy? Thaumaturgy. Um, uh-huh. I don't even know how to say it. Well, the, the, what goes with that for me is that we would have examples of that. Like, so people that follow the golden rule, you know, every spiritual tradition has the golden rule. Do unto others as you would do unto yourself and, and do that with nature. Bodhisattvas, they work for the greater good. Um, and then you see in all the spiritual traditions, charity, love, kindness, you know, all that stuff. And I think actually, We've got no choice. The, the evolution of consciousness is going to happen, but it will either get, will either come kicking and screaming, or as Jung said, we'll get dragged along by the scruff of the neck. You know. But I, th- I feel I just needed to say that because um, I, I felt it was a really good question and it was a word that I'd never come across before. Now, thank you for that, um, Mick, because I thought he just spelt something wrong. I didn't realise. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's these twin. Um, so, so theurgy is the other um, yeah. aspect, which is kind of inner work. Um, yeah. We, yeah. We've covered quite a lot of, and then uh, I pronounce it thaumaturgy, um, which, um, as, you, as you rightly put, I, I had the wonder work, you know, how do we, you know how do we facilitate this with with others and and um and it could be from you know from um the the, the very spiritual you know um, sort of outflow that we might have but but it, but it can also be really really quite destructive um and you can you can yeah. take it right right across to advertising or um you know nazi propaganda in the 30s and so forth they're yeah. all forms of this it's kind right. of influencing the others you know mm. one the shadow is, side of it the shadow side, shadow side is very good. Goes, yeah. the, the shadow side goes haywire but if we really pick it up for what it is to be a wonder worker mm. then actually it said, I remember reading a definition of it, it said, e.g., a saint that performs a miracle. Now, you look at uh, some of the saints that have, uh, you read up, I don't know about you, I read a lot about that stuff. Wow, you're talking about a high dream of really saying, yeah, let's go for it. Yep. I believe that's where we're heading. This is the time for that, I think, for clearing up, purifying, alchemicizing, or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> and going forward in our evolution i think this is where we're at so it's perfect word well you certainly are a, a wonder worker mick aren't you you really are i'm just i'm hung- i'm hungry for this You're stuff hungry, I'll, tell yeah, you. Yeah. I'll tell you why because i spend a lot of time studying near-death research as well and actually you know what um end of life dreams and visions near-death research actually this is what's really important. It comes up every time and you think, yep. well, why wait till the end and go, oh, <laughs> that was fun. I wish I'd have done that earlier. Yeah. Oh, shit. Like, Let's do it now. No, absolutely. Do you, do, you, do you mean like parachuting when you're 85? Oh. The first time. <laughs> well, what, you mean growing old disgracefully? Yeah, our father did a yeah, father did free fall last year and um and became profoundly deaf for three months. <laughs> he's d- he's done it all, Mick. He's done wing walks, he's done, you know. Oh bless him. I know. Oh, I love him. No wonder um, no wonder you two are like this then, eh? Hey? Your parents are like, you know, right out there. Yeah, basically. And uh, <laughs> the other thing that oh no, it's gone, it's gone. Where was it? It was in my head and it was about to come out of my mouth and now it's gone. There was something. No. But it's just popped off. So anyway, it's Let's, probably a good idea because we need to wind up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mick, it's been a fantastic discussion, and um, and you know, if there is any chance we could do this again in 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 six months or whatever, that would be brilliant. Maybe we can start to develop some of this stuff because, you know, I've learned huge amounts, and um, oh, and, and 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 I and I know Jenny knew none of this before we started. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I need to sort of that one out. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I, I want to say thank you to you both as well, and you know, really lovely to connect and um, to share what I think is really the the important questions of our time. You know, these really are the key questions. I think. No, thank and, you, thank and, you so much. And I think on that note, I mean, I, I wrote down a couple of forge um challenges for people and 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 i'm going to ignore both of them they can do they will do them another time but i think this this week's and jen you can you can you can slap me down if you want but i think this week's forge challenge um is is going to have a 
deep conversation with somebody new. Find somebody you don't normally go to depth with. Think about a, a difficult question or, or topic and, and just have a chat with them um, and see Excellent. how it goes. What a brilliant thing to do. Excellent. I'm going to do that. Excellent. I'm going to go downtown. I'm going to grab a cake somewhere. <laughs> I am. I'm going to do it today, this afternoon, within 10 minutes. Oh, well, Nick. I'm going to do it. No, seriously. No, I, no, I, 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 get, I get you. Yeah, that's no, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have a lovely donut and a cup <laughs> of coffee if their donuts are available. Fantastic. Other cakes are available, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, and thank you both. I think we probably can say goodbye. And is there something we usually say, Stuart? Well, we we normally do the outro now, don't we? Yeah, I can't remember I did the is. outro. Go on, then. Don't I? Okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> let's go for it. Um, everyone, thank you for listening. Um, show notes are, are, are on the website, and if you've enjoyed this episode... Don't forget to subscribe using your favourite podcast app and tell your friends, families, colleagues and that person in the cake shop all about it. <laughs> if you want to get in touch, please drop us an email at alchemicalhealth, or one word, at outlook.com and we'd love to hear from you. See you next time. <laughs>